Welcome to Slate Church Online. We're so glad that you've joined us. We pray that wherever you're watching this from, that this message will bless you. If this message impacts you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. the person behind you. Grab a seat. It doesn't work. Everybody's turning. You try something new. Everyone just said hi to the back of someone's head. It's all right. It's all good. It's all good. Well, listen, anyone feel like spring is in the air? Oh, boy. It was eight degrees today. The sign outside of Conestoga Mall while I was driving down King Street said so, and I was like, it's coming. Can you feel it? It smells like spring. Uh, Pastor Victoria always says you can smell spring. And I said to Brandon yesterday, I'm like, I'm smelling it. I can smell spring. So excited for warmer weather to come. And yes, I know it is still February. I know we have a long road ahead, but we have hope that spring is coming and we can hold on to that hope. That'll preach today. You can write that down. Uh, We have hope that spring is coming. Listen, I'm excited to to talk to you tonight. You know, no matter how your day is going so far, you are here. Whether you've had a a fantastic day and you've just, you know, enjoyed, maybe you were here this morning, maybe you were, uh, you know, had a hot cup of coffee when you woke up this morning and it was so great. Maybe you uh, had to clean smeared poop off of your toilet from your toddler, um, smearing that everywhere as he potty trains this morning. Maybe you did that. It doesn't matter what your day looked like today. You are here. You are in the room. You've made it to this point. So why not be present? Why not lean into what God is going to say tonight, what he's going to speak to you tonight? Uh, I wonder if you have come expectant tonight that God could actually speak to your heart, that God could actually impact your life, that you could actually come here and leave here different than when you walked in. I wonder if you have that kind of expectation tonight because the, the, thing is, is that when we lean in, we can actually expect that God can move. If we're just sitting back and we're skeptical and we're critical and we're unsure and we're, we're kind of not even in the headspace of being present, you're probably going to walk out and go, yeah, God didn't move. But maybe he did, and maybe you just missed it. So why don't we just lean in tonight? I'm really excited to preach out of Acts chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, why don't you go there? Uh, This is the book that immediately follows the Gospels, the stories that talk about Jesus' life. And the the author of this book is Luke, and he is writing um, and basically talking about the early church. Jesus has died. He has risen again. The Holy Spirit has fallen. And this Jesus movement, as they call it, was underway. There were people that were coming into the faith daily. It was spreading. It was pretty incredible what was happening. And Acts is the account of all of this going on. And we're going Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. You can also follow along, I believe, on the screen behind me. It says this, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. You see, as much as this movement, this Jesus movement, was having uh, an amazing forward motion, there were people who were against 
this Jesus movement. They didn't want this to continue. They didn't want this to go on. And we were seeing this take place here. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met the approval among the Jews, they were excited that he was put to death. He proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Sounds like me striking Brandon on the side when our kids wake up in the middle of the night and I say the same thing. Quick, get up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the, that the, what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent this angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that we get to be here tonight, that we are in your church, in your house, God. And I just pray right now that you would speak through me in a mighty way, God. We just look to you and we lean into what you have. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, if you're taking notes this evening, you can write down this title, When God Let's Loose. When God Let's Loose. You know, I wonder if you have ever been stuck before. Has anyone ever been stuck? Has that ever happened? You have never been stuck? There is very little response here. Has anyone ever been stuck before? Okay, come on. Everyone's like, I was writing down the title. You didn't give me enough time. You've been stuck before. You know, I was thinking of situations that I've been stuck in. I mean, I, I'm sure that you can relate that you've been stuck maybe in a public bathroom with no toilet paper. Have you ever been stuck in that situation? You're like, what, what are my options here? If you're more of an extrovert, you're like, oh, a chance to make a friend. Hey, could you, could you just pass some under the stall? If you're an introvert, you're like, I guess I'm not wiping today, okay? Like, it's not, it's not going to happen. Stuck in that situation. Have you been stuck? Maybe I have found myself in this position as well. Stuck at a store. Maybe you've gone into the change room. You're like, I'm sure this size will fit. It kind of looks like it'll fit. And you kind of get it on. And you're like, okay, I don't love it. And you go to get it off. And you can't get out of the piece of clothing. Has this happened to anyone? Am I crazy where you're like struggling and it's kind of half over your head. And you're like, please, God, don't let it rip. I don't like it that much. This cheap clothing from H&M. I don't want to buy this and you're like I just don't want to rip and you're like ah what do I do in this situation how do I get this off you're debating do I just get like really personal with the store clerk and ask them to come in here and help me get this off my head I haven't had to go that far but honestly it's been close it's been pretty close maybe you've been stuck in an awkward conversation uh, with somebody you know this maybe you just got stuck during the time when we say hi to each other and you're like oh good I can go sit down now maybe you've been stuck in an awkward conversation you can't quite get out of 
that, and it feels really strange. Well, I was asking on on Instagram the other day. I just put it out there if you've ever been stuck, if anyone has any stories of being stuck. And I got a lot of responses back. These are a few of them. Someone was stuck in a dollhouse as a child, and it took three uncles to get them out. So they were, like, they were seriously stuck in that dog, dollhouse. Someone got stuck. Maybe you've been in this place where you've gotten stuck in the railing of, like, a staircase. You stuck your head through, and you just can't get back out. I wish I, I said I would do this anonymously. I wish I hadn't said that because it's even funnier when you know who this happened to. Someone got stuck with their head. Someone was stuck in a pile of mattresses at camp. I mean, this is like every camp counselor's like nightmare. Where did the kid go? And they're like stuck in a pile of mattresses in the corner. And it, they said it was for like a long time, like half an hour. Uh, someone wrote in about a waxing incident that I just don't feel like I should completely share, but, but they were stuck. Let's just put it that way. Someone got stuck in a dryer. Uh, during a game of hide-and-go-seek, one person's dress got stuck in a moving walkway at the airport. Isn't that just like, uh, it like, those things scare me on the best of days, but if my dress was stuck, it would just be, uh, I love this one. Someone got stuck, they said in a laundry hamper, I'm, I feel like it must have been a laundry chute. If it was a laundry hamper, I think it's even worse. They got stuck and they had to call the fire department to come and get them out of that situ situation. Someone said that they've been stuck between a horse and a wall. Uh, I, I, I have been as well. I don't know. You have to ride horses to maybe have that happen. Like, people have been stuck in strange situations. Someone got locked into, someone was telling me last night that they know someone who got locked into a change room at Walmart and couldn't get out, and no sales associate is around the change room at Walmart. So, like, they were calling, and no one came to get, they had to call the store to from inside the change room and be like, I'm stuck in your change room. Like, there are... A lot of situations that we can get stuck in. Maybe even stuck on a plane, like on the runway with a screaming child. Uh, maybe yours or someone else's. You can just find yourself stuck in all kinds of places. Uh, in all kinds of situations with all kinds of people and all kinds of uh, troubles ahead. But, you know, for, for most of us, there is a way out of these situations. I think it's pretty clear that we can ask for help. We can find a way, even if it's as extreme as the fire department having to come and fix the situation for you. Usually there is a way out. We can, we can go ahead. We can get out of this situation. There's something that we can get out of. The situation that we just read about in scripture, we see Peter being stuck. But this is a little bit different. The context is a bit different. The solution is not so straightforward. He wasn't just stuck and, and saying, okay, I'll just figure this out on my own. He was completely trapped. He was completely imprisoned. There was not an easy way out. James had just been executed. And the Jewish people were persecuting Christians. They were wanting to stop this Jesus movement. And Herod, his whole desire was to create a show out of this to be able to get more buy-in and more power. Politics were at play and he was taking down Jesus' apostles. And he just killed James, but he did so privately. 
And he was executed, likely scholars believe, in the same way that John the Baptist would have been, uh, in his cell, in his prison cell, and, and it wasn't a big show. So when he seized Peter, because he had seen that James's uh, execution had pleased the people, when he seized Peter, his plan was to go and do this publicly. His plan was to make a big show of it, let the Passover go by, and then we're going to do this thing to get more and more people on board. And they basically wanted a bit of a show. So this was a dire situation. This was not just a small situation of being stuck. This was really dire. This wasn't being stuck at the grocery store without your wallet or uh, out in the rain without an umbrella. Peter had 16 soldiers guarding him. In verse 4 it said, after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. You see, Herod was taking this extra precaution that Peter would have no chance of escape. There was no way he could come up with a plan and get out of this prison, out of what he found himself in. There was also no chance that anyone could get in to rescue him. Like, they had 16 soldiers surrounding him. No one was coming in. No one was getting out. There was, it was an impossible situation. And at the point that we find him and this whole miraculous thing take place, he had probably been in there for about eight days. At that point, he would have been pretty desperate that nothing was going to change, nothing was going to happen. It wasn't going to go well for him. He was trapped in the prison. And I think for some of us, we've come into this place, and maybe we are not in a physical prison but we feel that we are in our own lives, that we feel a little bit trapped in our situation, a bit trapped in our circumstance, trapped in our thoughts. You know, before coming to Christ, all of us are trapped in a life that is separate from God, separate from God's grace. We have the option to choose him, but when we don't choose him, we actually find ourselves trapped. But even for those in this place who are Christian, you know that after coming to Christ, it's not that everything in your life just becomes so easy and so, uh, so, so obvious and such a, a, an easy thing to step into. Things can still be difficult. We can still find ourselves trapped. You can walk in blessing and trust God, but you can find yourself stuck in situations, stuck by a diagnosis, trapped in your own thoughts, stuck in abuse, Stuck in fear of the future, trapped by challenges, trapped by the pressure that we put on ourselves, trapped by expectations of others. We can be trapped in debt. We can be stuck and trapped in anxiety and depression, fear, stress. And for some of us, we feel so imprisoned by our own situation that we feel like we have an iron gate that has locked us in. We feel like we have 16 soldiers surrounding us. We feel like we are in chains and that there is no way out and there is no way for anyone to get into us. And yet in what we have just read, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of him being so deeply imprisoned, we see that God is good. No, I want to let you know tonight that when God lets loose, anything can happen. When God lets loose, nothing can hold you back. It doesn't matter your situation, your circumstance. When God lets loose, you can walk in freedom. But what can we learn from Peter's experience in the jail? I think the first thing is this, that we aren't meant to be in the prison alone. 
You might find yourself in prison. You might find yourself in the depths of it all. But you do not have to be in there alone. You are able to ask for help. And as a church, we are responsible. We are responsible for helping those who are imprisoned. It's a two-way street. It goes both ways. In verse 5, we see that the church was praying fervently. They weren't just having nice, nice thoughts about Peter. Just thinking, oh, what a great guy he is. You know, I really like him. I'm just going to wish him the best as he's in prison. They weren't just DMing him on Instagram saying, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I see you're having a rough day. I'm just going to pray for you. And just forgetting later. They weren't just saying it and not actually doing it. They were praying fervently for Peter who was trapped in this jail cell. They were setting aside time. They were praying without ceasing. They were believing for a miracle. I wonder what it would actually look like in our own lives for us as a church if we were to pray fervently. If we were to actually make prayer a priority in our lives for the people around us who are in situations that are very difficult. What would it actually look like? We have prayer mornings every single Thursday at 6.30 in the morning. And for some of us, we're like, that is early. Like 6, who comes to this? Like are people crazy that they wake up at 6.30 in the morning, earlier than that, and come to Maxwell's and pray? Like what, what is going on there? But a lot of people come because we know that prayer actually changes things. Prayer actually does something. When we get serious about prayer, when we get serious about the fact that there are people who are imprisoned around us who desperately need a miracle, and we start to recognize, even if I can't go in and change everything in their situation, even if I can't go in and do everything, even if I can't go in and rescue them, what can I do? I feel so helpless. These early Christians did not feel helpless. They felt empowered because they had this open gate to heaven that they could pray for a miracle. C.S. Lewis says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. Do we have a revelation of how helpless we actually are? I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. You see, prayer actually changes our perspective. Prayer changes how we see things. Corey Ten Boom says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? I think for a lot of us, we treat prayer as our spare tire. If something blows, if something goes bad, if something, if we find ourselves on the side, that's when we're going to pull out prayer. But is prayer the thing that you actually operate out of, your entire life out of? It is so necessary. You see, these Christians couldn't help it. The church on the outside looked as if they couldn't do anything. But they knew that they could pray. They knew that they served a God who could do something, and they trusted that he would. As a church, we need to continue to recognize the power of prayer. It's talking to God. It's seeking him intentionally. It's not about feeling bad because you haven't prayed in a while and you're not sure exactly what that would look like and it feels a little awkward and you're not sure if you should have that conversation or how you get back into this. It's recognizing that God loves you. He wants to have conversation with you. He wants to talk to you. It's an open door. It's an open invite. Just start praying. You don't have to have all the right words. Go from that place of recognizing that God wants to talk to you. But we can also recognize that if you are in the prison, that by even being here, you're part of a church that wants to pray for you. You're part of a church that wants... These prayer, prayer requests that we talk about every Sunday, it's not just to 
to kind of boost everybody up. It's not just a moment in the service. It's actually an opportunity. These go on in our, our internal system that we can pray as a leadership team over these throughout the week. These are, are prayed over at prayer morning every week. There are people that are petitioning on your behalf in your situation. So if you find yourself in prison, make sure you're asking for help, asking for prayer, asking that people would be on your side. You don't have to be in it alone. We also know that God can show up in the depth of your prison. He can show up exactly where you are. You see, the darker things look, the more dire things look, the brighter the light is, even if it's small. I know this in our room at night. We have a monitor in our room for the times when Claire's in there and whatever else, and there's a little blinking light. And everything can be pitch black, but you can see that blinking light from anywhere in the room. You know it's there. And if all the lights were on, you wouldn't be able to tell. But listen, even in your darkest place, we serve a God that is not just a small blinking light, but he actually brings light into your situation. It's not too dark for him to find you there. Peter was in two chains. Like, let's just picture this for a moment. He was in two chains. This is not like handcuffs. These are chains. These are heavy. He had a soldier on his right. And he had a soldier on his left. He had 14 other soldiers between him and the outside world guarding each layer as it went. There was an iron gate that was locked and bolted. There was no hope for him. Listen, you are not so deep in your darkness that God cannot find you there. You are not so chained up. There is not so many guards around you. There are not so many doors that are bolted and locked that God cannot find you where you are. Your walls are not so far up. The guards are not so strong. The darkness is not so complete that God has forgotten about you or that he can't see you or that he doesn't know what's going on. No matter how bound up you are, no matter how distant you feel from the outside world, you have an open door to heaven. The heaven, heavenly doors are open wide. And Peter knew this. And you know how we know Peter knew this? Because he was sleeping. How many of us know that when we are anxious, when we are full of fear, when we are full of doubt, when we, what leaves us? Sleep. We can't sleep when we have fear in our lives. But we can see that Peter slept. He had soldiers on either side. He had chains. He'd probably been in there for about eight days. He knew he was headed towards being executed, but he slept peacefully. And I think that this shows us the deep revelation Peter had of who God was. He didn't know that he was going to be saved. He thought he was going to die. He thought that this was the end of the road, but he still had peace because he knew God is good. God is sovereign. This... It's amazing. You know, it reminds me of Jesus sleeping at the bottom of the boat in Mark 4:38. The storms are raging, the disciples are freaking out. Everything is like they really thought they were going to die. This was not just an ordinary storm that kind of rises up. They thought that they were going under and they wake him up and they're in a panic and they they're, they're like, "Jesus, how are you sleeping?" And he wakes up and he calms the storm and he says, "Do you really still not have enough faith?" Like, do you still not know who I am? 
And I think it would be hard to experience a situation like that and not have a deep revelation of who God is. I wonder, are you willing to experience who God is? Start to recognize that he is good so that when you are facing the prison, you can have peace because he is with you. He is good. You know, something we see in this passage is that Peter did not allow disobedience to keep him in the prison. Let me just show you this a little bit. The angel gave instructions that Peter needed to follow. The angel hit him in the side, said, stand up. Okay, put your clothes on. Follow me. We're going to go this way. And he gave these instructions. You know, I think for some of us, when we find ourselves in a prison, when we find ourselves trapped and stuck in life, sometimes we will seek out God and we will feel his presence and then we will go, okay, God, we're good. Maybe you'll come to a worship night. Maybe you will come to a Sunday service. Maybe, and you'll go, okay, God, like, thank you for that feeling. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you met me here. Thank you for that. I'm good now. And I think some of us find ourselves standing in our prison wondering why we've now relapsed, wondering why we have anxiety again, wondering why this is happening over and over and over again. And I wonder if too quickly we said, we've got this. Thanks, God. Thanks for the good feeling. I've got this now. And we found ourselves still standing there in our prison. We actually have to walk out in obedience the next steps that God is giving us, even when it seems confusing, even when it seems impossible, even when it seems, how the heck am I supposed to walk past all these guards? How am I supposed to actually walk out of this situation? But we want to take control back into our own hands and say, okay, God, thank you for that feeling. I'm now going to try to figure this out on my own. And we're feeling our way around in dark prisons when God's saying, hey, I wasn't done showing you where to go yet. I wasn't done giving you the next steps. Keep looking to me. Keep listening to me. Keep focusing on me. Keep coming back to me. You don't need a feeling. You need a map. You need directions, and I want to show it to you. Just release it to me. If Peter would have simply been woken up by the angel and not listened to the next step, he would have remained in the prison. He didn't know his way out of this prison automatically. There is a walking out that is necessary in our faith. See, sometimes we like to spend so much time debating scripture, debating what God is asking of us, having these conversations, majoring in the minors, and getting so distracted on these things. You know what God is looking for tonight, church? God's looking for obedience. That is what he's looking for. It's not up to debate. What is God asking us to do? What does it say in his word? Are you willing to obey? See, I'm teaching Kenzie, our three-year-old daughter, about obedience right now. What it means to obey. And you know what bring me, brings me really, like, great joy? When Kenzie listens. <laughs> when Kenzie actually does what I ask her to do. Not when she throws a fit, not when I have to ask her 10 times, not when she tells me that she knows how to do it better and, and really she can't see the perspective. That's not when it brings me joy. It brings me joy when she goes, okay, mommy, all right. I wonder how your life would change if you simply went, okay, God, because you said it, I'm going to trust you. And listen, this is not mindless following. This is trusting the relationship that we get to have with God. I wouldn't expect my three-year-old to listen to just anybody. I tell her not to. You don't, you're not listening to just anybody. That's not, you don't have to do that. You don't have to listen. 
but you have to listen to me. I'm your mom. I'm your parent. I love you. I have plans for you. I have vision for your life. I have, you get to listen to me. And I wonder what it would look like to actually just listen to God. Don't let your disobedience keep you stuck in your circumstance. Follow God's guidance every step, even when it doesn't make sense. Because I love this. The angel only leaves once he knows that Peter can take care of the rest. He can take the next step. The angel is with him, guiding him through the prison. And then when they get about a street away, the angel takes off. And I think on the other side of this, we have people, if on one side we have people who are like, okay, I've got it. I'm on my own. I've got it. I'll feel around this prison. I'll, I'll figure this out myself. I don't need any more direction. Thank you for saving me. I'm good. On the other side, I think we have people that are going, okay, God, where are you? I know that I know my surroundings. I know that I've been taken out of the prison. I know, I know that I have your word, but I want clear direction. I want my hand held. I want you to take me to my friend's house so I know where I'm going. The angel's going, you know the next step. I don't need to stay this close to you anymore because you already know the next step. I don't need to be right. God has given us his word. We don't need to spend so much time debating and asking what to do next when we really just need to read God's word and do what it says. So there's times where we need to say, okay, God, I need to step in obedience. I'm trapped in this prison, and I need to follow you all the way out. And then there's other times where we need to say, okay, God, you have given me a brain. You have given me a soul. You have given me a heart. You have given me your word. You have given me direction. It is a light onto my path. It is a light on it. I just need to step into it. I just need to walk into it. I just need to love people. I just need to do the next thing. Sometimes we feel that God is so close and then so far. But perhaps we need to recognize that God is always present. But sometimes he knows that we already have everything we need to do what is next. And we just need to do it. We don't need an angel to come. We need to have people in our corner. We need to trust that God can show up. We need to walk in obedience. But when we look at Acts 12, we can't help but see two ideas that seem to be in conflict with one another. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I so badly just wanted to stay over with Peter. I so badly just wanted to stay in the miraculous release from prison that no matter what your prison is, God can take you out of it. And listen, he can. But God kept bringing me back to a couple of verses right at the start. And I really believe that this is an important thing for someone or maybe many people here tonight. And I want to read it for you. It says, Acts 12, verse 1 to 3. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, they proceeded to seize, he proceeded to seize Peter also. There's one verse in there. He had James put to death by the sword. And I don't know about you, but when I look at this and I read this and I wrestle with this, I can't help but ask the question, God, why? Why would you let James die and then have this amazing rescue of Peter? It doesn't make sense. You know, in our dark prison, we may find ourselves, and we do, we need to trust God. 
We aren't meant to go it alone. God can show up in the midst of your situation. We do need to act in obedience as God calls us to. And we see many times in scripture where God does come through in this miraculous way and brings freedom. In Acts 9, Paul meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas in jail and they have this miraculous release. John 8, 36, it says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But you know, church, I think that sometimes we have a very limited view on freedom. We put our preferences and our desires and our goals into the place of God. Hey, God, if, if you just work in this particular way, then I'll know that you are good. If you just work it out for me this way, then I'll know that you're good. God, I know you're busy. So I was just thinking, and I kind of came up with a few options that I think would be appropriate to get me out of this situation and out of this prison. And if you could just follow through with one of those, that would be, I think that would be best. Uh, you know, let's just make a deal. Sometimes we assume that the message of Christ is there to serve us full stop. But in reality, our understanding of God's goodness leads us to submit to him and his plans regardless of what they are. Even Jesus cries out to God in a time of despair, facing his imminent death. He says in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And the verse right after that, I, I've missed this before, but it says an angel from heaven came and strengthened him. An angel came, actually came. In that situation, strengthened him. And he continued to pray. But how we know, church, that Jesus still went to the cross. I wonder if our prayers reflect that. The recognition and realization that God can work in incredible ways. But also the understanding that God is sovereign. And his plans are higher. We don't always like this part. We like the story of the rescue. We like the story of Peter being miraculous, miraculously free. We like that. We don't like the part about James being put to death by the sword. And we wrestle with this. In Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, God speaks through the prophet and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts you know dallas willard writes this you will either allow your view of evil to determine your view of god and cut him down accordingly or you will allow your view of god to determine your view of evil and lift him up accordingly accepting nothing is beyond his power for good we have to choose to trust god and this is not always easy when God lets loose, we can walk in freedom, even when that freedom is not what we originally expected. Even if it is not our definition of freedom. God is not just good because he frees us, sends an angel to rescue us, gives us a way out. He is good because he is God. This is hard for us to reconcile. We expect goodness to look a certain way. And we wonder, why God? And it is okay to ask why. But we need to recognize and submit that he is all-powerful. That he is all-knowing. That he is almighty. That he is in control. That he is working it out for the good. Even when the job doesn't work out. 
even when you fail that class and it doesn't make any sense with your timeline of what things should look like, even when the marriage breaks down, even when the death happens, when you were praying desperately for healing, and it wasn't what you expected, and it's not what you were looking for, even in the midst of the miscarriage, God is still good. And it's so hard. It's so hard to remind ourselves of this. We need to do the work when we're not in the prison to really get a grasp of who God is. We need to spend time with him. We need to know the Jesus that was sleeping in the boat so that when we find ourselves in the prison, we can sleep too because we actually see his goodness. We have the faith that's going to sustain us. We have Thank you for watching. And again, if you were impacted by this message, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. If you'd like to learn more, fill out one of our online connect cards on our website. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. And remember, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.